When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. My name is Alec Mappa, and uh, <laughs> and I'm so glad to see you, Matt Dempsey. Yeah, I'm so glad to see you too. I and couldn't come up with I'm anything. <laughs> what? I couldn't come up with anything. I blanked. That's okay. I just was like, yeah, yeah. What, that's what okay. You You're do, an Matt? actor, a comedian, and you live I, in Hollywood. That's and right. And what do you do? I'm Matthew Dempsey, and I'm a multicultural counselor and psychotherapist. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, we have an amazing guest today. On uh, I just yes. interviewed them on uh, the RuPaul's Drag Race official podcast. They're a finalist in All Stars. Did you watch All Stars? Absolutely amazing. Eureka O'Hara is with us. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. I I'm love Eureka. So excited. Yes. Um, and we, as our uh, other podcast was wrapping up, we were talking about being othered. You know, growing up different, yep. physically different from mm-hmm. everybody else, and and especially when you were a large person, a larger person, it's harder to be. Um, inconspicuous. Yeah. And it made me think of a very good friend of mine who is seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's literally, and you could see that life, not only is life physically inconvenient for him, mm-hmm. but he has no privacy. We were standing on a corner mm-hmm. waiting for our Uber. Mm-hmm. And um, in the course of 10 minutes, so many people came up to him and, and asked how tall he was. Oh. Like he was immediately a public person. And yes. I was like, I've only been with you for 10 minutes and I'm already tired of this. Yeah, yeah. There was a meme circulating around recently where it was this guy who had uh, passed out. He has it business cards made up and it said something like, yes, yes. I'm 6'10". Yes, I've been this tall for, yeah. the, for my entire life and like answered yeah. all the most kind of basic yeah. generic questions that everybody always asks. I don't them. play basketball. It's nice <laughs> so that we had this chat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of it it but it made me also think of like, you know, when Eureka told me that, it's kind of like I I grew up different. I wore glasses, corrective shoes, and a retainer all at the same time in the right. third grade. Yeah. So I used to kick my own ass at recess. And mm-hmm. I was a big sissy and as opposed to now. And um I feel like there was because I was smaller, there was a chance for me to fly under the radar. Right. Do you know? And do you feel like growing up, there were things that you did to obscure yourself in order to not attract attention? I'm, like, I mean, for me, the biggest thing was just being gay. So, yeah. um, like doing whatever I could to try to obscure that. I mean, I dated girls. I tried yeah. to maybe not be like acting like so quote unquote gay. Yeah. Um, not as effeminate, like that kind of stuff because of just fear and shame that there was something wrong with me and that, um, you know, I'd be in love because of that. Did you ever like like have this thing like where you're with your parents or something and then there's somebody this would happen to me because I grew up in San Francisco. Uh-huh. There would be somebody super queeny uh-huh. like waiting on us at dinner or something and I would just get super self-conscious. I'd be like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, not that exactly, but I do remember uh, this was 
God, forever ago, I was probably like maybe like 12 years old or something. And I was at my um, step family's kind of like clam baking that they do every summer. And I remember this was at the time when, um, uh, what's his name? The designer who um, got shot and murdered. Um, uh, Gianni Versace. Gianni Versace. He had just been murdered. It was literally mm-hmm. like just within months. Right. And I remember um, one of the very drunk family members that was there at night was just like, I don't know why everybody gives a shit about this, you know, this faggot fabric maker. Ah, ah, ah. And I remember thinking like, oh, geez. And so I remember the next day saying to my dad, like, oh, it was uh, so funny. I remember hearing so-and-so last night saying like, you know, why does anybody care about this faggot fabric maker? And my dad just kind of paused for a minute and he just kind of gave just like, just like a subtle kind of like chuckle along, but Mm. you know, which was, which that's not great, but there was something looking back on it. I could feel him like not fully co-signing to that. Okay. But, oh, I could, I kinda... but I saw myself trying to gauge his response, you know? Mm. So so that's kind of a, a version of it. That's about. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm a conversation learned... stopper. No, no, no. I'm learning to be comfortable with the, with the spaces. Like I've been listening to Howard Stern and sometimes it just stops. They're just, it's just quiet. Ah. But but with us, it's hilarious. It's a pregnant just pause. Like, and yeah, pregnant pause. Pregnant no, pause. it just makes me think about that thing. We grow up as queer kids always trying to like, we do stuff that other kids don't have to do. Like like you said, like the next day, it, it, it's clear to me that you, you, you spent the night thinking about it and then you thought enough to bring it up the next day. Yeah. To yeah. kind of check your father's response. Yeah, it was gauging things. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's that's like a full-time job yeah no it's a lot it's a lot especially yeah code switching exactly Mm -hmm. and also just trying to you know listen it's it's one thing to for for me i'm speaking from my own experience it's one thing to have to feel like i really kind of like need to hide some part of myself right Right. and then that that's its own kind of mind fuckery um Mm -hmm. and stuff to kind of unpack psychologically and emotionally later um but also there are so many other ways we're talking about othering today there are so many other ways that our society says like you know if you fall out of this narrow scope of what we deem as kind of the standard right. you're different and you're less than and uh and we're you know you're not going to be as loved you know and so especially some oh. things especially some things that are you know that we can't hide like maybe you're talking about your tall friend or the size of who we are just mm-hmm. overall mm-hmm. or um you know kind of maybe how we just organically express ourselves and our yes. mannerisms and yes. um or the color of our skin like there's all of these kind of what we would call more salient identities mm-hmm. that um that are going to be gauged very much kind of on the surface and then just kind of judge based off of this bullshit hierarchy that we have in our society. And when we fall on the outside, on the on the periphery of what is kind of deemed as the standard, then that fucks with us. And when we have multiple layers of this kind of like otherness, then it really fucks with us. Salient identity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, salient identities. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we think about like uh, Eureka, who's coming up, and I can't wait mm-hmm. to talk to them. It. It, that's what you're talking about. It's like the multiple things that you have yes. to deal with. Not only am I different, I'm different, 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 different. There's right. so many layers of different. So and, many layers of yeah. difference. And when we have and when we have those, you know, kind of multiple layers, and it's just compounding after compounding of this messaging from the world that we live in that tells us not just that you're different, but you're different in a negative way. And mm. this isn't good. And so mm. there's something about you that's not okay. Right. And that that weighs on us psychologically and emotionally. Right. Yeah. I, I, I found that my coping mechanism was to charm people 
always. I was always on the charm offensive, right. like always like making people laugh and always. And I'm kind of like that every day now in my, you know, yeah. I'll talk to everybody at the CVS. Yeah. I'll talk to everybody in line at the grocery store. Yeah. It's And it's just, but it's kind <laughs> of like what I always did as a kid in order to be like, hey, everybody, I like me, you yes. know, and it's just, it's. Yeah, it's, mine was it, people pleasing that I just I try to be. Yeah, I try to be as nice and hey, how you doing? What's going? You know, how's your day? Like that kind of shit. Because I'm just like you know. So for and that's still something I have to check myself on. Of course, I want to be kind, but yeah. if I'm overdoing it because I just want people to like me, then maybe there's something else to. Yeah, uh, I've look never at. seen you in a bad mood. I bet. I that thought you were really, just gonna say I've never yeah. seen you be that nice. <laughs> no, I've never seen you be that nice. Ever. No, I've never seen you in a, um, I've seen you. A bad mood? No, I've seen you muscle up when you're feeling yeah. like, oh, I'm kind of, you know, because we've done like 60 of these shows, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and 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 there have been uh, leveling degrees of energy that's yes. required to yes. set this ball over the net. Oh, by the way, this is a mental health <laughs> podcast, everybody. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you're coming back, um, welcome back again. Welcome, um, everybody. Uh, uh, welcome back. Don't forget forget to download and subscribe and we've been changing gears we've been getting really great reviews matthew people have been leaving the nicest messages about us oh i've seen a few have there been some more recently um i don't think i've seen any that you <laughs> haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> but they all, yes. they all so talk about- So we want about, to thank our two listeners for our those two comments. listeners, thank you both. No, listen, we love hearing your comments. And they all talk about what nice chemistry we have. Oh, so, yeah, what, so what, because, that's, because that's organic. Because what a beautiful marriage we have. Well, listen, yes. let's yes. bring on our other guest. Please. <laughs> and to find out how they took that otherness and, and turned it into absolute magic. Yes. Don't go away. We will be right back with Eureka O'Hara after these important messages. We are thrilled to talk to our guests today. You may know them from several appearances on RuPaul's Drag Race. They were in season nine, went home after an injury, and then came back for season 10. Most recently, they competed on All Stars season six. They also host the popular We're Here on HBO with Shangela and Bob the Drag Queen. We can't wait to hear what they have to say to us today. Please welcome Eureka O'Hara. Yay! Thank you for um, doing the show today. I know you're busy. You're currently on location, correct? Yeah, actually, no. I just wrapped uh, yesterday and got here. Well, yes, yesterday I flew to Tennessee to visit family. Um, but I just <sighs> wrapped season two two days ago. So we are excited, honey. October yes. 11th, right around the corner. Um, we're doing a big premiere this year on the 8th. I'm super excited. Oh. Um yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm really excited about it. I watched every single episode every of episode. the first one. And also the first season kind of wrapped like a little bit unexpectedly because that's when everything yeah. was coming down with COVID. Right. So I'm like super excited about a second season coming back. Ooh, I love your energy, <laughs> Matthew. I can tell that you are. And you are so handsome. I'm so glad to find oh, you. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I love yours and Alex work together. It's just uh, great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and he's a tender <laughs> and consensual lover. <laughs> um, so uh, it's my niece's favorite shows. Uh, 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 my nieces, Bella and Lucy, absolutely love we're here. They watch it with their mom. And um, I love the final episode because we got more of your backstory Yeah, about where yeah. you're from. And uh, so you're in Tennessee. Is that where you were born and raised? Small town? Yep, small town, East Tennessee, all day, every day, honey, growing up. Um, between there and Big Stone Gap, Virginia. 
Right, so right. So it was always small town living. Yeah. And and sing and single mom. Yep, single mom, um, three kids. You know, she's actually also not native to this land. She was originally from Germany, got her citizenship oh. when I was like 13. Oh um, yeah. You speak German? Where where are you in the order of the three kids? Yeah. Um, I am the middle child, I guess. Yeah, because oh. I actually have a twin sister. Oh, <laughs> that. I have a twin sister, actually, but she's, I came out first. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, like, technicality, got it. I'm getting there first. I remind her daily, I came out first. <laughs> yeah, I came out first. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were, I was talking to uh, uh, Kylie Sonique Love uh, last mm-hmm. week, and we're both third out of four kids oh wow and and i always joke that uh, there's like a billion baby pictures of my older brother and sister and by the time i came around it was like click and then my baby sister came less than two (laughs) years later so i was literally playing in the traffic for 15 years before my parents even know (laughs) noticed i was gone like you feel growing up that there was i mean even though you had a twin was there a bit of a middle child syndrome of a look at me look at me Oh, no. I mean, I was the only boy, you know, so I was Ooh, mama's boy. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? I got all the attention I could handle, you right. know, if not more. Yeah. And also, I was a dramatic little child, so I made sure <laughs> I got all the attention. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was needy. You know, I was yeah. loner, you know, sad, different, you know, knew I was different. So I was like, you know, I was definitely a mama's boy because of that. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and bigger and picked on and, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Culturally, are German moms uh, different? Are they a little tougher? Are they stoic? Is there any kind of that Germanic thing? And do you speak Yeah, to- I would say I speak a little, not very much. It yeah. never retained for me. Um, when my mother moved here, she had a really abusive husband that really kind of like knocked speaking her native language out of her. So oh, she would like, I'm sorry. she really didn't use it very often. She was very anti in a way. She just wanted to blend in. You know, yeah. she really, she came here to really start a new life. Um, wow, that's so interesting. That's yeah. so interesting because I mean, like we're talking about, you know, being othered and even uh, mm-hmm. with your own mom coming over here and being othered and being forced yeah. to kind of fit in and, you know, kind of not speak her own language. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the story I like to tell. I mean, too, with my drag, Eureka is very much modeled after my mother. So mm. my mother was like very social, a large woman. She was six foot tall, you know, wow. broad, you know, and had huge hair. She loved that fluffy, you know, um, teased 80s <laughs> hair. So, yes. she was, <laughs> yes. so she was a, she was an Amazon for sure. <laughs> so so baby Eureka walking around. Um, uh, what's the name of your town in Tennessee? Um, Bristol, Bluff City. Oh, Bristol. Bluff my, City. My, one of my best friends from NYU, Brenda Slaughter, was from Bristol, Tennessee. And she lost oh, wow. her accent, but it came out whenever she was drunk. She'd be like, that's oh, what bothers sure. me. Bless his heart. Oh, but, my uh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your kid, is there, a, is there a seminal moment at a seminal, pronounced seminal, oh. not seminal, seminal <laughs> moment in school where you're like, I got to figure this out. I'm different and this is, it's time to negotiate how this is going to work for me. You know, I think that um, for me, it was always just like being involved in everything that I could and being at the best at everything I could. Uh Like, you know, if I, if I was, you know, a part of as many clubs as I could, like 4-H, Business (gasps) Leaders of America, you know, sports, getting straight A's, like anything I could strive to be the best at. Achieving. You know, it, yeah, yeah, it was an achievement for me. Yeah. So it was like, I was going to prove that even though I was so different, I was the best yeah. in some way, I guess. Um, but I didn't really like 
come out or try to make a change till like later in high school. Otherwise I just tried to fit in. Right. You know, I would like try to wear the same kind of clothes as them, try to be cool and like make friends with the cool girls and like had have a girlfriend, you know, but I was super mm-hmm. Christian. So we never got to do anything. Oh, you know okay. I mean? Saving it for marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, you know, playing the part, you know, pretending really. Yeah. You know? Uh, Matt, you would say that's we've talked about this a lot on the show that that kind of achievement or overachieving is typical for us queer kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, like, think for about sure. how many how many guests we've had even just on this show talking about it. But like across the board, this is something that happens a lot for, you know, kind of us, you know, queer people growing up is that it's like whatever we can do to try to kind of like hide those parts of ourselves. Right. Like especially more of our kind of invisible identities where we have an opportunity to at least try that. Yeah. Let me distract you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let me distract you with these fabulous things about me so that yes. you don't see the bad. Smoke and mirrors That's what we all put in time. our minds, yeah. yeah. We put in our mind that those are the bad things about us. That's what we right. have to grow out of when we become exactly. adults. Is yep. That these things aren't the bad parts. They're actually the good. Yeah. My husband had a girlfriend, a very religious girlfriend in high school. And he showed <laughs> me the, the thing that she wrote in the yearbook. And she said, you, you are, you're the most important person in my life. After Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's you I might have written Jesus. a couple of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's no those. competing with that hair. So, you know. No, so what happens in high school, Eureka? What happens in high school? And what are you looking like in high school? You know, honestly, in high school, I was like, I was tall, blonde, you know, kind of long hair. Everyone was doing the like swooshed over like beaver cut. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, seashell necklaces and he yes. had blue popped collars and yes. no preppy yes. girl. Um, <laughs> and honestly like a good 200 pounds lighter than I am now so I was mm-hmm. actually like a piece you know okay. but didn't even realize didn't even realize I was a piece you know because mm-hmm. I was still chunky because mm-hmm. I was big and chunky but still didn't even realize it but um, I got a fake ID girl when I was like 16 my cousin Isaac Sold it to me one night for $50 so he could go get him a bag of weed. $50? And, mm-hmm. Wow. And girl, I started going to the gay club and created this persona as Izzy. So uh-huh. everyone called me Izzy. And I would, it was so funny because to make myself look mature, I would always go dressed up in like my Sunday best or like a, like a three-piece like, suit. What was it? <laughs> Full on. <laughs> Full on like sports a jacket. Cane? What are you doing? <laughs> no, I didn't have it. I was close, close. So I just would like go dress in like suits all the time, like dressed yeah. up like I was going to church. Yeah. Like, they'll never catch me if I look like an adult. <laughs> oh my because God. All, to, everybody over 21 goes to a gay bar in a suit. In a suit, bitch. So wait, Girl. wait, no, wait, back it up. Where, back it up. Where did Easy come from? Uh, where, where, well, how does it, it was, easy? Well, his name was Isaac. So oh, I just okay. wanted to like, I created my own little nickname. You know, I've always been theatrical, honey. I created yeah, yeah, a character. Yeah. yeah. Mama okay. Izzy, right. Izzy from <laughs> yeah. Love City, Tennessee, that just moved <laughs> back, honey, um, here on work, you know, made yeah. up all kinds of stories. Yeah. Matt, is there anything more exciting than going to a gay bar for the first time when you're queer? I mean, oh my it's god, like, not at all. It's like it's so. Well, I mean, it's it's both like exciting and also petrifying too, because it's like, yeah. what do I do? How am I? Yeah. Were you freaked out? Were you freaked uh, out when you went to a gay bar for the first time? 
I'm trying to remember the exact first time, but I remember kind of like the era of when I first started going and I was like, for sure scared. And also like, I didn't necessarily put on my Sunday best uh, suit, but <laughs> I definitely was trying to figure out like what I was supposed to wear and how I could look. And right. I think I was wearing like parachute pants and like an extra small, you oh, know, baby blue tee. Yeah. <laughs> yes. was and also the Puka necklace and a, yeah. the Adidas visor. Uh-huh. <laughs> so in the gay bars, is that, is that, the gay bar that you were going to, was that, did they have the drag culture there? Did they have queens there who were performing oh, that yeah. made you go, that's where I belong? Oh, I immediately sucked to the drag queens. You know, uh-huh. I, was, I yeah. you know, I, after the first couple of weeks, I was like taking girls to their gigs out of town and everything, mm-hmm. you know, just Fabulous. sneaking out, taking girls out of town. Um, I, I was lucky and I had a best, I had a best friend. She had already graduated. Well, she she had already dropped out of high school and, you know, but we, she I was, was already still, pregnant and had yes. four children, right. but she, you know, she's the one that went with me. So I had a raw dog, you know, with me oh, nice. uh, to yeah. go to the gay bar. So she's yeah. the one that convinced me to go, you know, so okay. I was lucky. That's awesome. Um, what, but, what, oh, sorry. I was just, what was it with, you know, when you created this character of Izzy and, you know, and you're going out there, what, what did Izzy allow you to do in order to start maybe becoming more aware of yeah. otherness and, and accepting some of that? I should have come up with that. I should have come up with a persona when I first started going <laughs> Yeah. Out. What would your persona name be? I don't know. Gaping Jorge. <laughs> well, I mean, that's subtle. I was thinking, I was thinking like James or something. You James. Do something simple. Ja- oh, James. Like, yeah, like hi, I'm James. Nice to meet you. You know, something very yeah. simple. Under the yeah. radar kind of yeah. guy. Unlike Cruella yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So uh Math was asking, what did Izzy allow you to be? Yeah, I mean, Izzy allowed me to just be gay, you know, one. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never experienced that. I still hadn't came out of the closet when yeah. I was going to this bar, like under this other persona. I didn't come out like fully till my senior year of high school. This started right. my junior year, probably. Um, but it just allowed me to like be social and like not care, I guess, as much. Like yeah. how I did as like this child in high school being this character at like this gay bar where in my mind, no one would ever know who I was. And I was just, you know, sliding in as this like, secret agent like it was a game to me kind yeah. of yeah yeah you know and some of these people ended up being lifelong friends yeah you know but yeah. um yeah, yeah do you get any did you get any sexual attention as a high schooler oh, yeah yeah oh yeah well i mean not in high school as much i mean i didn't grow played sports honey so they all get a little mm. you know on these <laughs> retreats mom i got some stories Ooh. but you know but the, well you know when you're the feminine one they just all think they can pass you around uh. yeah you know, so I got beat up a lot because I wouldn't let them have a piece. And then they did, you know. You got beat up for guess. not putting out? For not putting out, girl. Because Like, what? what ma- is it, though? I hear this. I hear this a lot. It would make I never them did feel sports at all. Way. They would what? Oh, I was just saying it would make them feel some type of way. Yes. No, but like, they were they were like passing you around like suck our dick. Well, like, what was girl, what was what was yeah, the cue? Yeah. <laughs> well, because they're all like, I mean, it would always start with like the conversation of like, you know, um. Lord, could you, like, you'd be sitting there and then all of a sudden, it's always the same conversation. What would you do if you were in prison? Oh. <laughs> that's, that's always the question. What would you do if you were ever locked up in prison? Yes. How would you have sex? What would you do? And yes. of course, my gay ass would be like, well, I guess what you would have to do, you know, I guess you Was it with anybody with hot? Because I'm oh, going yeah, straight to like high hot. school. And so why didn't you do it? I would have been well, like so the because, line forms to the left. I no, take cash well, because I was too insecure. Menmo. You know, I was too insecure about my queerness in general, and yes. it would just solidify how gay they called me. Uh, you know, there was a couple of them that like I had crushes on that I would do, you know, mess with. Yeah, but oh, girl, I wasn't gonna, you know, because next thing I knew, I was gonna be, you know, 
tied to a pole and you know beat yes, you know what exactly. i mean it's like yeah, yeah. it's dangerous fear. it's dangerous it's yes. dangerous yeah, yeah because you never know like and there was a couple times where it was scary where like i would we would be drunk and i would kind of go along with it and then they would like snap out of it halfway through and realize what they're doing Whoa. And then, yeah what did you yeah. do to me how'd you make me do this and then it becomes uh, like you're the predator and i'm know. like baby you just begged me for 30 minutes to put my mouth on your i wiener. know exactly mm-hmm. you, know, you know i'm so you know but i was such a whore in high school by the time senior year rolled around <laughs> you i was a cigarette so hanging jealous. out of my mouth like are we gonna do this or not i got a class in 10 minutes so so how old were you out of curiosity how old were you when you had your first sexual experience that was like this is boy to boy and i'm into it and this is great you know honestly i was like 13 or i was Mm. young you know but i also like grew up around like my mom was very she let she wanted us to be as social as possible growing up you know and uh, my sisters were very social but i wasn't but we played a lot of truth or dare growing up you know Mm. and like spin the bottle and you know when kids Mm. are alone they're 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 wild. You know they're what I mean? curious. Yeah. Um, they're curious. Yeah, yes. And curious. curious. So I played, you know, I messed around a lot growing up younger, weirdly. And then, um, you know, just me and my stepbrother and his friends would go camping and one thing would always lead to another and it'd be the, it'd be the, the jail conversation. You know, what yeah. are you going to do? Here this never yeah. happened to me as a kid, Matt. Everybody I know grew up with somebody <laughs> who had a slumber party and a basement where there was a circle jerk and that <laughs> never did it. Did you have stuff and like Alec that is in Jersey? Yeah. Well, listen, I made up for lost time. As soon as I was 14, <laughs> I was like, listen, I yeah. missed out. So did you have anything like we, that? Did you play I mean, post yeah, office? Kind of. I mean, I remember even in just like in junior high, me and a couple of my like girlfriends, we would just like hump each other with like pillows in between and, t- call, <laughs> and call them condoms. And we thought we were being, you know, good. Did you uh, ever play um, seven, wow. seven minutes in heaven? <laughs> yeah, we did all that stuff. We did spin the bottle and kiss. And, I like you know, seven and when I got a little bit heaven. older, then there was more kinds of experimentation in general. Yeah, seven, You can get a lot done in seven minutes. <laughs> it's plenty of time. I don't even need seven minutes now. <laughs> Eureka, how soon after high school does the drag start? Do you go to college? Are you, are you, uh, yeah. do you stay in the same town? Yeah, so I went, you know, I, when I was 17, I graduated. I went straight to ETSU into college that summer year. I was ready to get out of the house. Mama, you couldn't let me out. Yeah, quick right. enough. Um, I just wanted to start my life. You know, my my queer existing, I had just come out. Um, yeah, I started, you know, when I turned 18, um, my fake ID had expired. And I was figuring out how am I going to go to this gay bar? Um, mm. So to use my new ID, my brilliant plan was I was going to go and drag. So that's kind of how Eureka was born. Uh-huh. Was um, so I started going out and drag, and I started, you know, I became Eureka this character. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So like, I went from one character to another, um, and you know, I immediately started doing. Um, so I started doing drag when I was like almost nineteen, probably full full time. Yeah, you told me this yeah. great story. Can you share it with us here about being in, in drag on stage for the first time and what the performance was? It was insane, actually. I was so nervous and terrified. I had made this little dress and I had my little purse and I had walked out on stage and I did Pedestal by Fergie. I'll never forget. (laughs) And I froze up and I stood in the middle of the stage and I couldn't move. And the whole crowd, though, started cheering for me and, you know, flitting like, yeah, Eureka, Eureka. And it was just such an exhilarating moment, you know, and just to get that much love and that much appreciation oh. in a moment, it just, I was addicted, you know. Yeah. Right. And then on top of it, all the glamour, right, and the, and the money, you know, getting thrown money and then being adored all night. I was like, oh, my God, this is heaven. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. Um, 
I also grew up with sisters, you know, and a mom, and I always wanted to be more of the girl than the boy. So it was like drag just seemed so right for me getting to express that feminine side. I had to like harbor my whole life because I was the man of the house. Yeah. 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 So it's like, you're going to make somebody a great husband one day. You're so wonderful. You're so amazing. You're going to make such a good dad. You're, you know, and having that pound in your head, your whole time you you grow up, you're like, well, (laughs) actually, yeah. yeah. Um, All all these expectations. I'm going to be a lovely other mother. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. What are the, what are the ways that like overall, like when you, when you kind of just like look at what your existence was, especially growing up, kind of the most formative years of your life, like what are the, what are the most significant ways that you felt other, that you stood out the most or that were the most challenging for you? Yeah, I think it's definitely my femininity and my size, Mm -hmm. Uh, my size for sure. I've always been big and tall, plus sized, tall, you know, too big for the world. Um, mm-hmm. really. Um, and then, you know, really gay. I've always been, you know, very feminine. Other ways that I stood out was wanting to achieve success. You know, that was actually something that really hurt me along the way too. As much as it was a way for me to extract myself, it was like what made me a target sometimes. Right. You know, being good at things or getting to be in charge, things like that. Um, also, you know, just being curious and staring a lot. I was a starer, so I would always like have a crush on a boy. <laughs> I would and too. I would just stare and stare, and that boy <laughs> would end up being the only bully for the next three years because yeah. I would never stop staring at him. Mm. And I was okay with it because I love the attention <laughs> from him. My yeah. husband's like, always busting me on that. He's like, You're staring. Because I when I think people are interesting, I'm literally like, What's what's this? Oh, about? Yeah. me too. Yeah. I can't yeah. help it. Yeah, yeah. I can't help yeah. It. But it seems as if it sounds to me as if like all the pieces. Oh, you know, it's like when you, drag is where all of the things that you perceived as liabilities become assets. Yeah. You know, all the things that worked against you now work in your favor in doing the thing that drag requires of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying earlier, I, you know, got to slip in and hear some of your all's conversation about you talking about, you know, being a people pleaser or being, you know, um, accommodating to others as far as like wanting to make them laugh, wanting to cheer them on, wanting to be that person. You know, of course, I was the one that talked too much in class or was too loud or always telling the joke or always, you know, trying to service people around me to like almost feel like I deserve the place I have in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. and that's what we do to ourselves, you know, yeah. and eventually it's really hard on you because it really diminishes your self-worth. I think that's where we come into our adulthood, like, you know, seeking so much validation and yes. reassurance. Yeah, yes, absolutely. You're ab- it sounds as if you're absolutely cognizant of that, you yeah. know, are, you yeah. know, that, that you were, when did you arrive at that understanding? Yeah. I mean, I still deal with it every day. You know, I don't think yeah. it's a thing that I can get rid of because it's a mm-hmm. huge part of who I am. I'm just such a caretaker because that's where I found value in myself in this world. And mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I, en- I enjoy taking care of people, but I've had to learn to be mindful of not taking care of everyone and not everyone yeah. wants to be taken care of or not everyone needs saving because yes. you can really run into a problem there too, you know, when yes. you're trying to be the savior. That's your thing, Matt. Especially when you're putting other people's needs ahead of your own. That's like yeah. the, the, the best kind of gauge on it, right? Yeah. Matt's yeah. talked a lot, a lot on the, on the show. Matt, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about that's how, that's where your validation came from in being a solver and a helper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a great way to deflect from people looking at, at me was just like how much I can take care of everybody else and what everybody else was going through. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've even made a career out of it. So it's like, it happens. And, you know, like you said, Eureka, it's like, you can be, a, you can be aware of it. Um, it's never fully going to go away, but we can be aware of it enough that we can manage it so that it doesn't, you know, kind of like take hold as much as it usually maybe has defensively. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's hard, but at the same time, doesn't it make, I mean, and I, I can say this now because I used to not be able to say this about myself, but doesn't it just make us special people and just a little bit better than some others? You know what I mean? <laughs> as far as as yeah. far as having a good attitude, you know, some people just aren't yes. great people. And it's yeah. I at least appreciate that about myself now is that makes us good people. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I, I remember like, you know, I remember a good friend of mine, like really kind of around the time when I was like first starting to come into my own as a gay guy, just being like, isn't this great? Kind of sounded like Har- Harvey Firestein. Isn't this great? <laughs> isn't like, this we're, wonderful? Aren't, it's, it's like we're special and <laughs> yeah. it's true, but like truly it's not just like we're special because we're queer, but we're, we're, we're special. And this is kind of part of the way that I am able to kind of like cope with, with some of this shit is to put it in a positive framework, which is like, you know what? This was one thing that really fucking held my feet to the fire forced me to actually have to get real with who I am, you know, not kind of default to all this other bullshit to try and feel like I'm okay. Um, but to, to understand who I am and to work through my shame in a way that I can actually rise above and be way more authentic and, and way more loving in a very different yeah. kind of way that other people might not have to be forced to, to do. Well, I think that's what makes us special to me, honest, is that we survived it. And that we're still surviving it when a lot of people can't handle, you know, just a piece of the trauma that we as queer people go through, you know, and that are subjected to since we can literally remember. You know what I mean? We're taught this stuff at the beginning of our. I remember everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My therapist says, yeah, you that's that's good. And it's bad. (laughs) Yeah. Remember, because the other part of remembering Mm. is let it go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's not. It, it happened a long time ago. Yeah. Um, you said earlier, Erika, that you you were told growing up that you'd be a great parent, and uh, and it's interesting. That was an interesting comment because you are very nurturing on the show, mm-hmm. like on mm-hmm. We're Here, and even on Drag Race. They, they, there was like a very um, almost uh, maternal or paternal or our caretaking way you would come across with mm-hmm. with the people on the on the HBO show. Do you find that that's a natural part that plays into it? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like I grew up taking care of my mom and my sisters the best Mm. I could because I was just like that. And I didn't really have a lot of friends, you know, so I would my mom worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week for a big period of my life in a factory like she was an Amazon, y'all took care of three kids when I say this. (laughs) And I was just so impressed by her. I mean, I would cook and clean and, you know, have stuff ready for when she got home and things. like. So I think I became accustomed to it, but also she was my example on what being a great person was. So I, again, model after her and she was the best mom. You know what I mean? So that motherly instinct is just kind of what was also taught. So I'm very lucky. I owe a lot of that to her. Yeah. Um, Because I also quickly became a motherly figure in the drag community here because I was very that way. And um, I became successful very fast. So, I mean, I had drag kids when I was like 20 years old, you know, because in our community, people need a place and someone to believe in. And me being a big, you know, beautiful goddess that I am. Mm. It's so, you know, (laughs) and everyone kind of needs that mom, especially a lot of these queer kids that don't have their family and stuff. So it just became a, it very became quickly a part of my life, you know, yeah. being that person. Yeah. yeah. I so love I've that got be- like, yeah. Yeah. Even, I mean, even when you think about the absolute most ideal situation where, you know, queer kids have, you know, like, you know, parents who are really uh, understanding or accepting and loving, you're still, they're still not, I mean, unless they're queer themselves, which most of the time, most of the time is not the case. They're not going to be able to have the ability to nurture and kind of parent that part of ourselves. And so, like you said, it's like, we kind of need these surrogate parents in our lives. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, and my drag mother is the only adult mother, you know, and I needed her. Yeah. So I'm glad I had her, you know, we have these people. I mean, I'm sure you all have, who's that person for you, Matthew, who's that person for you, Alec? 
Um, I had a few. Uh, one was named Michael. He passed away uh, a few years ago, but he was very much just kind of like an older, kind of like gay brother to me. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 in later years, I, I had uh, his name is Keith Keith Klein. If he's listening, love Aww. you, Keith. Is Keith still around? Keith is still around. Yeah, he was very much like kind of like a, a gay yeah. a gay New York Jewish uh, mommy for me. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mine was Leah Delaria. Uh, from Orange is the New Black, Big Boo. We did stand up together. Oh, wow. oh, wow. I, and I would be always so backstage, kind of like, uh, and mm. she would literally push me on stage. She'd say, get the fuck out there. <laughs> and then she would laugh super hard when I Aww. said something funny. And she made me brave. Like, it was kind of wow. like, you know, like, I, I look at drag in the same way a lot of... Uh, uh, Stand up is you're like competing with the room. You're competing with a club. Absolutely, you're yeah. competing with noise, and you have to be bigger and brighter than all of that. And with stand up, you also have to command the room. Um, and you have that. You have that. Yes. You have that thing about you. Uh, the other thing that I love that you said on the final episode of We're Here. I, when's the season premiere, by the way? Do you know? October eleventh. October oh, soon. That is mm-hmm. soon. Yay! Yes. Um, you said this really great thing um, among the many great things you've said in the show. When you're a big person on stage and you're acting sexy mm-hmm. and you are sexy, it gives everybody, every big person in the audience the permission to be yes. sexy as well. Yes. Yeah. Aww. Who taught you that? I love your remember you remember that? that. Of course. Um, I told you I remember everything. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I learned that from my drag mother too. You know, she's a big woman. She's a be- big, beautiful trans woman. Um, so she always reminded me that I was sexy. But I guess I learned it from mm, doing it. I don't know drag, especially mostly drag. I mean, just doing drag. I never knew what it felt like to feel sexy until I did drag. You know, mm. and I was able to create the kind of sexy I wanted. I mean, I was, honestly, I also lived as a trans woman for four years. Mm-hmm. So, like, I really got to get in touch four with years. who I was. Yeah. So when I was, so from like 19 to 23, I also transitioned and lived as a woman going to college and performing. And I also had a boyfriend then, and that was my first boyfriend. So I have to give as much as I, you know, dislike him now, you know, being trans and having that partner. And that's what taught me what sex even was, you know what I mean? And then retransitioning, um, you know, into, you know, the non-binary person that I am. And I've met people and gotten reassurance sexually from boys, but also from mm-hmm. other people and and myself, you know, learning how to enjoy my body for what it is. Yeah. It's just been a long um, process, <laughs> you know, but but never for Eureka. Eureka's always felt sexy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just going to say- given because- me permission. Yeah, I was, well, I was going to say, no, I, I love it because I was going to say that, um, you know, even just the way that you're talking through everything, you know, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you're very aware. <laughs> I don't know if it's been therapy or your own, whatever your own journey's it been. Sounds like, it sounds like you sound therapized. You you sound like you've Well, I've never been a big therapy person, but I've done self-therapy, you know, with right. my friends. Yeah. I've really looked in on myself a lot. I've been very that person, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's apparent. Lot, so. you're, very, you're very, like, self-aware. Like, some of the things that, that you're saying, that it doesn't just come come from anywhere that takes a lot of hard mm-hmm. work to be able to self-reflect and i think like that's the kind of without sounding too cheesy and cliche that's the kind of thing that can be the sexiest because the most attractive or most appealing or the sexiest thing i think is when somebody's just like so self-possessed and not in an ego kind of way but in mm-hmm. a way of just real certainty of real comfort and i mean like that's something that you exude not even just when you're in drag but even now Aww. it's like there's such a comfort there's such an ease there's such a great energy and groundedness about you and like Thank that you. thing i think is really kind of what creates that and it does give permission mm-hmm. for other people to feel like more at ease yeah. themselves 
Well, you are sexy. Sexy's out of Matthew. my comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> Alec, you are sexy too. Don't get it twisted. Oh, I've been seeing your thanks. beefy pictures on Instagram. Yeah, yes. yes. she's making she's making an effort. She's, she's flashing. Doing, um, <laughs> uh, uh, it's you know it's out of my comfort zone. My husband says you're sexy, but it's it's an accident. <laughs> no, he says like when you're he goes when you're performing or when you're taking care of things when you're in the zone and I feel safe and you're you yes. you know you're being a good dad and he's like and I know how much I can depend on you. He yeah. said that's you, there's a sexiness about yes. you mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and and the solidness of you and I, 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 I that's nice. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so the non-binary is that is that your. Uh, that's your default position now. And it is what does that what does that give you as a person? Um it just that identification. Me, honestly, it gives me no identification. I think that's the point. Mm. I, I think it's the the term non-binary is not um a, you know a, a formal set of set of two. Um and it's just saying I don't choose a side. You know what I mean? There's not any sides to choose. I'm a non-binary person because I, you know it's too stressful for me to pick like, am I a woman or am I a man? And then to put Mm. myself on the expectations that society has built over what a man and a woman is, is not for me or my psychological comfort. You know what I mean? So I feel safer and more comfortable um, being a non-conforming, non-binary individual and just do they, them pronouns. And most of the time I just say people, you know, instead of worrying about pronouns, just call people by their names, start learning people's names, Yeah, you know? And yep. if you don't know how to understand, like he, she, them, they, um, just call them by their name. You know, yeah. I'm Eureka, you're Alec, there's Matthew. Yep. Yeah. Um, That's my son's generation, Matt. All the kids, all yeah. the kids at school, they're all fluid. They're all non-binary. They're all pan. They're yeah. all like they don't. And they have none of the kind of freak out, the high school mm-hmm. freak out about sexuality that our generation had. Well, and I think that if you think about it too, it's really magical because it just shows how much we evolve as people and socially we've evolved so much where the new generation is just starting to be realistic about the idea that men don't act a certain way and women don't act only one certain way that we all like, it takes years and years for people to get to this master place of understanding that they're a little bit of everything. Yeah. Whether it's feminine, masculine, Mm. all that and being proud and okay with it and um, accepting of their sensitive and their masculine and they're all this and the kids are just getting a jump on it quick. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. where they're like, yeah. girl, we're everything. Sometimes we want to make <laughs> yeah. us like, no, I mean, it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. so much there's so much bullshit learning that we have around social constructs. What's okay, what's not. It's very kind of binary on a whole, you know, kind of uh, mm-hmm. a number of fronts. And so it takes us so much effort to unlearn that shit. So we're not, you know, mm-hmm. continuing to be holed up with that. And um, what I'm learning is that masculinity is a lot of pressure. Yeah. I just, just I'm not even, you know, we're just masculinity, but toxic masculinity. It's all about holding mm-hmm. it together. It's all about not expressing yourself. It's all about holding it in. It's yeah. like that, that's, that to me seems like a full Well, you're the job. muscle, it's just like, you know, it's toxic masculinity just makes you a muscle. It makes you a robot. You're a robot yeah. to society and to the support of others. You're supposed to be this, like this pillar this bar that people can just constantly lean on without you know ever needing without any feelings yeah yeah yeah. yep a robot basically yeah exactly this is a whole other con this is the whole other conversation (laughs) we you know listen 
I'm so grateful because I know how busy you are. I know. I know how busy you are. And and we're so Mm -hmm. looking forward to uh, uh, the the season premiere. We've come to the end of our our program. Um, But I'm I'm so I'm such a huge fan because I love anybody who invents themselves. I like any I like I love I'm a big hero of anybody who takes all the parts of themselves that were formerly viewed as. Uh, 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 things that were uh, like I like I said before, liabilities, and turn yeah. them all into assets, and yeah, that's I'm you a thousand cool. percent. Yeah, yeah. We always end our program with um, passing on a hot message on the Hot Mess podcast. So for okay. the kids out there, um, what would you say to like? Okay, there's there's a kid who's just like you in high school right now who's mm-hmm. probably listening, um, and going through what you went through in high school. What would you say to that kid? What kind of message would you pass on? Um, I think the message I would pass on is you're okay and you're going to be okay. Um, have patience with how you really feel in this moment, that everything that you feel is normal. Um, and it's going to take a while to figure it out. So just learn to be patient and the answers will come with time. Mm -hmm. The more you're just honest with yourself about how you really feel. And when you feel strong enough, start being honest with the people that you love the most about how you really feel too. Wow. That gave me goosebumps. They say when you get goosebumps, pay attention. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love you. My my butthole puckered a little bit. It just kind of went like Oh, that means there were some good words in there. Okay. I'm surprised it still moves, girl. Look at you. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing a hot dog down a hallway. Now, where can. Where can people find you on your socials, Eureka? Um, all over at Eureka O'Hara. Eureka like the vacuum cleaner. O'Hara like Scarlet. <laughs> you know, there's where I'm at. <laughs> at Eureka O'Hara everywhere. All right. Love you so much. And we'll talk love to you, you soon, you. okay? Thank you Thank so much you, for doing the show. Bye. Thank you so much, of course. What a, a Matthew, what a delightful human being. Oh and and not in therapy. Yes, yes, yes. It's people. It's people like Eureka that's gonna. They're gonna put you out of work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when you can achieve that level of uh, self awareness and positivity, who needs me? Right. <laughs> and it's people like me who will keep you in work because it's kind of like. And that's what we call balance. <laughs> I know it's balance. I love therapy. Yeah, uh, I the, uh, the, if you if you are listening and you've never been to therapy, it's an hour every week. That's all about you. <laughs> Thanks for the plug, Alec. <laughs> and really, nobody. It's kind of like um, my therapist will point out things in, to me in a way that I don't see. Yeah, you know, because we're we're in it. We yeah. are in whatever suit we're walking around in, yeah, yeah. and we don't see our our own problems objectively. And a, and a therapist really looks we, at that and goes, "We, yeah. Have, yeah, exactly. We've we've got our own blind spots, and so whenever we can have somebody, especially somebody who's you know kind of informed and and help us uh, kind of see some more of that, it's what helps us take more of those." kind of risks and um, and those steps that we can get to a better place. I mean, but we can do that on our own too, like Eureka was saying. Right. I kind of loved kind of circling back to what Eureka's hot message was. And I, Is this your hot message? Well, yeah, kind of. I'm just going to, okay. it's like, I can't beat that. So I'm just going to kind of like, right. you know, just uh, shine a little bit more of a light on it too, which is, you know, no matter where we're at in life, it really sometimes can be hard for us to know exactly kind of why we're feeling some of the things that we're feeling but if we can, at the very least, just have some acceptance, just know that what we're feeling does make sense, know that what we're feeling is okay, and things will start to make more sense. And when things make more sense, then take more risks and put yourself out there and express yourself as authentically as you can. You know, it's like my Angelo mm-hmm. says, when you know better, you do better. So 
When you know better, you do better. Yeah. I was dropping my kid off at school and I was driving past a other high school that's in our neighborhood. And I saw all the kids walking to school and all of the clothes are the same. Uh, you know, all the kids yeah. were wearing the kind of the that's, same that's kind of difficult. sweat jacket or. Yeah. And it was it's typical. And I remember like, wow, I was not like that in school. I wore stuff from thrift stores. Every day was like a costume party to me. Oh, and mm. I was stoned a lot of the time. But it's <laughs> it takes. It takes a lot of bravery to be yourself in this world. Yes, it absolutely It takes does. a lot of bravery absolutely. too. Um, but it also taught me after high school, life isn't high school. Yeah. It's kind of life is, you're not in high school anymore. Yeah. It's okay to be different. Yes. It's You're not in high school anymore. And it's great to be, it's, it's, I think the ideal place is where you want what you have. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> perfect little button this is, a, this, this is the part of the party where i'm like listen you want to go to the bathroom and do a big fat line with me oh god and then we can last the rest of the evening <laughs> we're running out of juice <laughs> yeah yeah matt follow me <laughs> let me let me let me sterilize this key so neither one of us will get sick yeah, it's we perfect well everybody can follow me at mj dempsey psych on instagram <laughs> twitter and matthew j dempsey psychotherapy on facebook how about you alec you can find me at Alec Mop on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us both at the Hot Mess Pod yes. on Twitter and on the Instagram. Please download and subscribe. Leave a review. Mm -hmm. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to talk about, what your concerns are. Yeah. This is a mental health podcast. We started this so we can normalize this conversation yeah. so that people aren't embarrassed about talking about this stuff because it's really cool. We love you and tune in next week for more Hot Mess Fun. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.